Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hi, I'm Colin Hung with Healthcare IT Today, and we're here at the Collision Conference here in Toronto, and I'm sitting down with Catherine Smart, President of the Canadian Medical Association. Catherine, welcome to the program. Great to see you and me today. I know, great to be in person, first of all. It's I know. Just my first conference back in Toronto since COVID, so it's quite an experience. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so why don't we just dive right into the big question. As we know, lots of physicians are leaving the industry, are burning out, are suffering moral injury. What's your take on the current situation? Is it as dire as the media is making it out to see? You know, I I think it really is. I am really worried right now about the health workforce. And it's not just physicians. I mean, physicians absolutely are experiencing huge burnout. In fact, double the rate of burnout before the pandemic. So it's now over 50% of physicians. But we're seeing that same trend in our nurses and across healthcare professionals. So it's really worrisome because, you know, so much of healthcare is retaining the staff that you have. And when you're losing senior people to burnout, or even people are thinking about things like cutting down their hours, in a situation where we have problems with access and not enough staff, you know, that's not where we want to be. So I think we really need to understand why that's happening and really think about how we can retain the health professionals that we do have. And as IT folks, is there anything that we can do or, or just administrators can do to really help keep the physicians in the fold, so to speak? Yes, I think there is. You know, it's interesting. One of the biggest causes of burnout, especially for family doctors, which is an area of medicine that's really suffering, is administrative burden. And a lot of that comes from electronic medical records, right? So interestingly, the idea, of course, of an EMR is it's supposed to make your life easier. And there's lots of, of course, really powerful things about electronic medical records. But inadvertently, I think they have actually increased the amount of time physicians spend on paperwork. So, you know, clearing your inboxes, all the messages that come through, reconciling all the results. Sometimes when things aren't well set up, results are coming in multiple times. um, And that takes a lot of people's time. And that time is usually in the evening and after hours. So the actual amount of time doctors are spending in that type of work now is usually a couple hours a day. So I think there's a real role there for us to partner with experts in IT to sort of understand those pain points. You know, certain things work well, great, but those things that aren't working well, what could we maybe do to improve that technology and make it more user-friendly? I love that you're talking about EHR optimization. Yes. You're talking about reducing the drop-down list, making the screen simpler, and that will reduce the cognitive burden, certainly, on physicians as they're, and, and nurses and everyone else using those systems you know, in the hospital and, and in family practice. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, the future of health is really going to be that interoperability, right? When a patient's mm-hmm. data follows them, and it doesn't matter if you're in a hospital or you're in my clinic or you're seeing your physiotherapist, boom, we can access your information together. And importantly, you as the patient can access your own personal health data and information so you have that seamless health journey. I think that's the goal, but we're a long ways from that at this point. Yeah, unfortunately, we've been talking about interoperability for a long time now. <laughs> we have, right? yeah. And all of us are hoping it'll arrive soon, but, but definitely hear you in terms of the importance of having that because that'll just save so much time and so much, you know, reduce the amount of excess 
and redundant information that's being stored in all these different silos all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also really important for patient safety, right? When we, you know, of course, our decisions are only as good as the information we have. And when we don't have all the patient's information, that's a risk. And I think for, for patients themselves, you know, if you know your health data is there and you're able to be on top of it, it's just one more check and balance in the system and it allows you to have more autonomy and participate more in your care. So I think there's lots of reasons why that goal is still really important, even though we maybe aren't as far along as we'd like to be. Is there any technology, uh, whether it's clinical or administrative, that's got you excited? Well, I think what I'm really excited about is, you know, one of the big things that's happened with COVID, of course, is this revolution in virtual care. We have known that we could do virtual care for a long time. It's not a new idea, but it was not happening at scale. Mm -hmm. Now what we had is really a country that pivoted to that virtually almost overnight at large scale, and now it's become part of regular medical practice. And I think the opportunities there aren't completely tapped yet. There's a lot of things we could be doing. So when I'm starting to hear about developers doing things like technology where, you know, there's physical exam components, maybe you're doing a wearable and I'm your physician and it's giving me, you know, your heart sounds, or your lung sounds, or your vitals, things like that. I think those types of things to me are really interesting because they're innovative and it's going to allow us to actually reach people in their homes, but with a much higher level of quality than what we can do just over the phone or even just over a plain video conference. So seeing some of those technologies coming up, remote monitoring, things for people with chronic disease where we're able to track uh, their condition much more closely. I think those things all have huge potential in terms of improving people's health outcomes and their experience. Well, certainly in a country like, like ours here in Canada, we, we're very geographically spread out. Yes. You yourself work in the Yukon, you mentioned. That's right. And so this, this whole telehealth movement, remote patient monitoring certainly can help people who don't have ready access to a physician or her nearby a facility. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's something that people don't think a lot about is, is the travel time for people and the burden of that, both in terms of their time and the economics of it. You know, for my patients, even within the Yukon, if they have to travel to see me, sometimes that's a five hour drive one way on winter roads. You know, you better really be adding value to that person's life if you're asking them to do that. Right. And if that same interaction could have been accomplished virtually, it's better for everyone. Um, and when they then have to go south to a major hospital, it's even a bigger deal, a plane ride, there's significant expenses. So I think the, you know, being able to leverage virtual care in a, in a more immersive way, I think will really allow us to, to leverage that and improve the experience for people. Let's spend a little bit of time talking about Indigenous health. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, I think in the Yukon, that's of a, a, a higher priority or it's definitely more top of mind. We're starting to get into the psyche of, of Canadians here in terms of, you know, realizing that Indigenous health has maybe lagged behind the rest of our healthcare mm -hmm. system. What, what are your comments on that? Where, where are we or where should we really be putting focus? Well, I think Indigenous health is a really interesting area. We know that the health indicators for in Indigenous Canadians, so First Nations, Métis, Inuit, are not where they should be, and they're much worse than other Canadians. But at the same rate, what we're also seeing is huge leadership coming forward from the Indigenous community in terms of taking back their culture, their language, their health, and, and even drawing down from government the, the autonomy over delivering those services to their citizens. And with that, I think we're seeing big transformation because, of course, it makes a big difference if you're deciding hey, what do we want our healthcare delivery to look like for our citizens? How And how do we want to interact with people and how do we have ownership over that? And then you have the ability to give that feedback to providers about what that needs to look like. So I think that's really changing. We're seeing many more Indigenous people in healthcare as providers. And I think that's really important too, right? Because that representation matters. And it's really important that they're able to map out 
the future of where they want to go. These are incredibly resilient, strong communities, and I think they really do have a clear idea of where they want to be. And it's our job, I think, to listen and walk that pathway to reconciliation and improving access to healthcare is a huge part of that. And that's again where technology is interesting, right? Because a lot of First Nations, Inuit, Métis, can live in rural and remote parts of the country where access is a challenge. And again, I think tech solutions can be one of the options there that can improve that experience for people. Final question for you, Catherine. Is there anything that we're not talking about in the media around healthcare that you think we really should be? Well, fortunately, I feel like lately we're getting a fair bit of coverage about what's going on, which is great, because I think it's really important for Canadians to understand what's going on. I think what's hard right now is I feel like we're talking about all the things. I think we've articulated pretty clearly what the issues are. But I think we've been having a lot of the same conversations, you know, for years, right? It's like even what you were saying about interoperability in tech, you know, in healthcare, it's access to care, it's overburdened emergency departments, it's challenges in family medicine. So I think our challenge is not so much what should we be talking about, but how do we move from talking to actually doing something about the problem? And I think that's where we find ourselves today. And But I'm optimistic. I think we're in this unique moment right now as, as we are moving through the pandemic where perhaps there's an opportunity for people to be more open to doing things differently. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for being on the program today. You shared a lot of wonderful information. Thanks for having me. This has been Colin Hung with Healthcare IT Today. If you enjoyed this interview as much as I did, smash that like button or check us out on healthcareittoday.com. Thanks for listening.